Hello, friends, and welcome back to Somebody Save Us. It's a Smallville retrospective where each and every week we take a deep dive into an episode of the 2000 hits Smallville. And this week we are covering Zero, uh, the teleplay by Mark Verhayden and story by Alfred Gott and uh, Miles Miller. And uh, it was directed by Michael Kettleman, who did a bunch of Gilmore Girls. Um, he's kind of like a CW TV guy. Um, but yeah, we'll get right into that right after this. Hey, Steve, what's up? Oh, not a lot. How are you? Uh, better. A little better? Uh, yeah, so maybe we should explain to our listeners. Uh, well, uh, explain and apologize, I guess. We are sorry for the uh, abrupt two-week hiatus. It was unplanned and unexpected, but uh, kind of um, uh, unavoidable, I suppose. Uh, a lot of work conflicts and a lot of um, just uh, down-in-the-dumps seasonal depression going around. So Paul and I really do apologize profusely, but it, it really, guys couldn't have been avoided whenever we did have an opportunity to maybe even get together and do something we really couldn't it just not in the right mood or mindset and we didn't want to you know just shovel shit to you guys um and every time we were kind of in the mood to do something one of us was at work so uh it's just one of those things it's the way the cookie crumbles we do apologize but we're back now and we hope you're back with us yeah and yeah just to kind of go off of what you said there it's like sometimes it really was it was the we had the time but the body and mind were just not willing like uh if anybody out there uh has dealt with depression and stuff like that you know what i'm talking about you just you just can't you just can't do it yep you just kind of want to stay in bed all day and and yeah and and that's it <laughs> really like pretty much no other it. activities just stay in bed yeah I, I want uh, to talk a little uh, one touch on one other thing. Just uh, we've had like uh, some 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 tweets and some emails from from people, and that goes that's really appreciated. I just wanted to give a shout out to Carolyn uh, Speranza Huli. Uh, she sent several emails over uh, over the last week or so, just uh, kind of filling in the knowledge gaps for us. Uh, correcting some some stuff where we've gotten it wrong or stuff where we didn't really know the answer at the time of recording just kind um, of a um, resident fact checker yeah, yeah um yeah. want to give a couple of those out or i don't know if you have them in front of you okay well one of them is uh it was we i think it was in the last episode we made a reference to the one-armed man which is of course from the fugitive that's right yeah um and then she uh when we were talking about on uh on leech where we were discussing the necklace and whether or not it had gone clear or not oh she, yeah let's uh, see we can just say that that happens in the future it does yeah without does giving away the story the point yet we'll get there right and then also in the when we were talking about uh maybe it was hourglass where i was talking about that 50s episode of smallville that's coming up the yes. person who plays the person who plays Hiram Kent during that era isn't John Schneider. It's just a different actor. Oh, really? Yeah. What? 
okay, there are there two episodes when they go into the past then? Because at some point, oh no, I guess Clark plays Kal El. That's or, right. Or Tom Tom Welling plays Kal El, right? Well, Zor uh, Jor El, I think. Jor, Jor El, sorry, yeah, right. Clark is Kal El. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so Tom Welling plays Jor El. Who does Lana play? Uh, Lana plays uh, Lana's grandmother. Lana's grandmother. I think. Okay. Again, we're gonna get it wrong, and if we do, uh, you know. <laughs> well, we have someone who will correct us, know. us, so that's all right. Let us know on Twitter or by email or however you want to do it. We, ever, you have to admit, half the fun of the show is how stupid me and Paul are. <laughs> yeah. So just we're just watching the show. I mean, we're taking notes and stuff, but we're. But I'm not, not. I'm not an expert on the show. Not really but. paying attention. Yeah, apparently. Right. All right, kick it off. All right, so uh, yeah, so zero. Uh, I guess the cold open. Uh, we get kind of it's like it opens right on a close up of Lex's like sweaty face and his eyes look a little swollen. Um, and then we pull pulling the back, the camera swings, uh, and it reveals that he's hanging upside down in a straitjacket. Um, and he's kind of yelling out, and yeah, some dude comes in, uh, turning a light on his face. And uh, Lex is just asking, like, 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 begging, basically, what do you want? I'll, I'll give you whatever you want, blah, blah, blah. And uh, the man responds that he wants the truth. And as the camera pans past the man again, we kind of travel into the past to three years ago. There's a couple things here. So, so they do that whole, like... Um... Well, n number one, I'd love to talk to Rosenbaum about this particular shoot because there are points where he literally looks like he's being tortured. I yeah. want to know how long they hung him upside down, man, because there are like veins popping in his head. He could like his eyes look like they're going to pop like he looks very uncomfortable. And we all know Rosenbaum's brilliant, but a lot of this looks like he's actually kind of in pain. Yeah, like, um, did they did they not take him down between cuts? Like yeah, exactly. He, That's what I'm thinking. Like, did they not, like, how long did they leave him suspended upside down? I'm not, I don't know how long a person can be upside down, but I know at some point you pass out because there's just too much blood right. in your brain. Um, yeah, well, that's with Rosenbaum. It's kind of like a credit to his acting ability that like most of the time you hear this all the time where he would be like joking and like laughing up to the absolute last second and then would get right into it like would just yeah. face drops and he's like in in the scene so he, i can imagine him hanging upside down in this straight jacket giggling to himself right up oh until... probably yeah oh he probably had a lot of fun with it i just i think he looks like really uncomfortable yeah he looks uh, he looks rough and, that's and then the other thing like as soon as it jumps into the, like the whole three years later thing i'd love to know what Tarantino movie came out around here because it immediately reminded me of like, you know, in Tarantino's earlier stuff where he jumped back and forth in time. Right. It, I don't know what about it reminded me of that, but I'm like, someone, someone in the director department here seems like they're trying to rip off a Tarantino film. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the, the scene where they're up, where they're, it's kind of slow as they're getting into the club and walking down the hallway. It's almost like when, um, uh, when the, the two, the two dudes from Pulp Fiction are coming into the bar. 
after yeah maybe yeah. I'm, I'm i don't know like i don't even know what it was but i know immediately like i was like writing down why does this feel tarantino-esque but like not nearly as good obviously no no uh but yeah lex so lex is with uh some chick and they're waiting to get in uh security guard lets them pass the velvet rope and they're walking down the hallway and the bouncer uh is like the the girls walking ahead of them and bouncer says, Oh, she's cute. And Lex replies that she's engaged. Uh, and then Lex apparently, uh, is taking her out as something as a favor to her fiance, uh, saying he kind of didn't fancy a night alone. Um, which, cause as they're kind of walking up these stairs, Lex is just getting looks from every chick there. Yeah. Um, and she doubts that he would have been, alone for very long it's pretty evident that eyes are on him um well you, you have to assume at this point that he's he must be some kind of regular there he's obviously going straight to the vip room he is lex luther so he's probably fairly famous so another thing here lex orders them uh two apple martinis yeah i and caught that something too. and something <laughs> You know what? But that's you know it's it's maybe a, like an admission of of a weird admission. But basically, for a while after this episode, I was like obsessed with apple martinis. Uh, really? I thought that I thought apple martinis was like a whole Sex in the City thing. Well, I mean, probably, but uh, like for me, I was just like, yeah, Lex Luthor drinks these motherfuckers. So <laughs> I'm not going to judge. They might be really good. I've never had one. I, I think just... you're thinking you're thinking Cosmos, Cosmopolitans. Cosmo. Oh, well, yeah, definitely Cosmos. I'm sure. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm a fairly simple drinker or was in the past. I mean, if it was well, early on, if it did the job, that's all I needed. Later on, I got into like beer snobbery. And now yeah. if I drink it all, it's gin and tonic. So, yeah, yeah, but uh, but yeah, so like, I think maybe because of Lex, I was drinking a lot of apple uh, martinis for a while. Not great ho- hangovers, though. I will say this, uh, and um, I I was a little caught off guard with the whole, uh, hey, she's cute. Oh, she's engaged. Because I was like, that's smarmy, even for Lex. But as the story progresses, you find out he doesn't mean it that way. Like, he's not bragging. Right. Right. That's with like, uh, or maybe that's, uh, maybe that's not how it played out. And that's just how I was taking it is I took it like he was boasting. Oh yeah. I'm so good. I got a girl who's already engaged. Right. Yeah. That's Whereas how, cause I had forgotten the bouncer. Oh, it's not like that. She's engaged. Right. Yeah. Cause it's weird because it's, it's really not that clear. It's just Lex being Lex. Um, but we, yeah, maybe he means the double entendre there. Maybe he's like, you can fill yeah. in the blanks in your own. It doesn't matter to me. Right. Exactly. Uh, but, so I don't know if they've discussed, but this is club zero. Yeah. This is, which has yeah. the best tagline for any club I've ever heard of. Yeah. What is it again? Uh, it, it's just club zero. And then all it is, is zero consequences. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, that's. That's actually badass. If I had the money to open a nightclub, I would have to name it Club, Club Zero. Zero. <laughs> and get sued. Oh, probably. <laughs> you think they have a copyright on that? Hmm, uh, that's probably not. Probably not. Um, but yeah, so we we learn that her name's Amanda and they kind of toast to their engagement. But like something catches her eye out of the corner and she kind of, the look of shock just sticks to her face. And she like moves to the couch nearby where a couple of ladies are hanging off her fiance. 
And he tries to stammer out an explanation, but she's not hearing it. She throws the ring in his face and kind of gets out of there. And Lex is kind of coming up slow behind as she's walking away. And the dude looks at Lex and he accuses him of doing this on purpose. And uh, Lex says that he did it to himself before turning and walking away. Which, and I mean, I don't think we ever get the motivation for Lex bringing her to the club. Like, did he know that dude was there? Did he know he was cheating? Oh, yeah. Did he bring the girl there specifically to get that dude busted? Oh, 100%. You think? Oh, yeah. All of it. All of it. He knew that dude was going to be there. And he he was, maybe he was splitting them up for his own benefit. But maybe he was just doing it because he just didn't want to see this good person hurt, right? Maybe. And that's, that's, yeah, that's a good point. Because it doesn't come off as an accident. Yeah. Like like Lex looks down when when she throws the ring and whatever. Lex looks at the guy like you know, you made your bed. Right. And so here uh the guy pursues Lex and we get our first of several different ways this plays out where Lex catches Amanda on the crowded floor, but he's grabbed from behind. The bouncer tries to separate them. Lex gets stabbed. The bouncer shoves him back and then draws and shoots. Um, and we see the camera panning up. Um, it's weird because like after the, after the dude goes down, he's like laying out on the floor, the people nearest him aren't moving, but then as the camera's panning up, most of the rest of the club is just still dancing. Uh, yeah, I thought that was very weird too, is there's no real panic except for like the five people who are in the direct vicinity of the shooting. Yeah. Um, which I mean, it's a club, maybe it would like, uh, I've never been in a club where there was a shooting, so I couldn't tell you if it's loud enough, there's enough bass. If you're far enough away, you might not notice. Right. But yeah, the, the, the camera kind of sweeps up into like the ceiling and it comes, then we're back in the present. Like it kind of does like a shadow wipe. Um, and, uh, back in the present, Lex is kind of accused of lying that he covered it up, but knows the truth. And then we clearly see uh, that it's the dude that got shot that night. And then he pulls his own gun saying, daddy can't save you this time, Lex. And then fires. And then opening credits. But right after the opening credits, we find it that, that it's one week earlier. Um, at, oh, yeah. At so we're still, we're still in the past. We're just slowly moving towards... The day this happened, yeah, yeah, right. And then we just learned we learned that Pete and Chloe and Clark, uh, their convo, uh, they have some class biography project, and Chloe has drawn Clark's name for hers. And of course, Clark has drawn Lana to no one's surprise. Yeah, I my uh, the weird okay, ladies and gentlemen, have to keep in mind that we watched this episode a few weeks ago now. Yeah. So my notes are in a completely different frame of mind than what, maybe what I'm at now. But right. I'm just like, uh-oh, Chloe's got to investigate Clark, and Clark has to investigate Lana. I smell a threesome, and it's musty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know so what you were in a you were in a weird spot. I was in a very weird spot watching this episode. Um, yeah, my notes. Yeah, are also no, immediately, so. and it's it's again, it's really. 
to the credit of the writers uh, and to uh, the character of Chloe that you immediately hear about Chloe having to investigate Clark and you're like, oh, that's probably not good. Yeah. Um, and you kind of see it in Clark's face too, where he's a little like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work out very well. Yeah. Cause you know, Chloe's just going to go overboard. She's going to investigate. It's in her blood. Yeah. She just, she goes too far. She doesn't know when to quit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so we learn that Clark is helping, uh, also with Lana's grand opening of the Talon. Uh, and he gets out of there leaving Chloe wondering if he just blew her up, blew her off. <laughs> like he just kind of gets the fuck right out of there. Which is, I mean, it's Clark. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. Uh, so we actually cut there from there to the Talon. Uh, Lana's dealing with a contractor who of course has bad news for her because as they do, um, and so she turns away to do something else and finds herself face to face with the dude from the opening scene who says he's there about the assistant manager position. Uh, and we find out that his name is Jude Royce. This dude immediately comes off as one of those people who's creepy nice. Yeah. You know, like almost like aggressively happy nice. You know what I mean? Where it's like, right. yeah, you're smiling. But your eyes, there's malice in there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's one of those pe- things that it's being played up for TV. So you're, you as an audience member are like looking at someone like Lana and going, how can you not see the psycho? He's the type of dude, uh, like just from his IMDb, he's the kind of, he plays the kind of characters where he's in a position of power. Usually he's like a security guard or like a cop or like on SG one, he was like part of one of the SG teams, but he's one of those characters where his more, he's morally gray and he, he enjoys his job a little too much. Like he enjoys inflicting pain kind of, kind of dude. I hear he plays it well, so I can see it. Yeah. But yeah, like all of the characters I remember him being are this kind of dude. Um, but yeah, through comments he makes, though, we learn uh, that he knows Lex from back in the day. And um, it's a little bit of unsolicited advice that uh, Lex is to be avoided. Uh, I think outside, I think this is where Lex pulls up in front of the Talon. But as he turns to walk toward uh, toward the town, like to go inside, a, a hand taps him on the shoulder and it's the bouncer from the club and he's all freaked out. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he's totally surprised to see him because there's an arrangement in place that they're not to be in contact. Uh, but this guy uh, has been seeing Jude all over the place and that Jude wants the truth. Um, but, uh, this guy, like Lex is trying to get rid of this guy because he sees Clark coming down the street. Uh, he basically quickly hands the guy a key to a secure apartment in metropolis and says, tell him to wait for my, he's like, wait for my call. Uh, get the fuck out of here. Like that uh, was the funniest thing to me because Lex gave him a keys. I have a safe, a safe house in, in, in metropolis. Here's the key, blah, 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 blah. And then sends the guy on his way. Doesn't give him the address. No. Just like, hey, I have a safe house, and nobody knows about it here. You so like this guy's just gonna go door to door in Metropolis until he finds <laughs> the right place. 
<laughs> you have to assume like yeah i mean that's that's pretty much how it is like, like unless this key has the address written on it in like, which case there's... it's not a very good safe house <laughs> no no so. well i mean holes holes upon holes oh man yeah the good good point good it was point. just a weird thing i was just like okay suspension of disbelief i'll let it go but like no address okay yeah uh, Clark asks Lex who that was, and Lex kind of smiling says, oh, nobody. And so they go inside, uh, and Lex finds out from Lana that the person, that Jude was there, and Lex is not quite able to keep th- his poker face. Because Clark asks him what's wrong, uh, you know, Lex is just like, you know what, it can't be. Like, this this dude is dead. Like, he couldn't, couldn't be... Couldn't be him not to worry about it, etc. Like Lex gets back in his car and he turns the ignition and the stereo is blasting like the same club music that was playing that night. Except there's people screaming in the background, murderer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so badly done. Yeah. The, the the one thing that kills me though is that like this is happening and, and like Lex is freaking out trying to figure out where it is and Clark uses his x-ray vision to go look under the dash and yeah. like everybody on the street for like a kilometer is stopping and staring at Lex. Right. Now granted it's Smallville and it's a small town and whatever but have you ever once stopped and paused and looked at a loud car driving by or even parked on like at yeah. most, I roll my eyes and go, that's pretty obnoxious, and then keep moving. Right, yeah, these people have nothing going on. Yeah, uh, and it wasn't but, like, it wasn't, if if the recordings were just screams of pain and horror and screaming murderer, then maybe that would garner attention, but it really just sounded like bad techno. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but he and he, Lex can't get it to stop. And then when, yeah, like Clark tells him to look under the dash, he pulls out, like he rips a, a discman out from underneath. Yeah. And it's just like the weirdest prop. It's, just, it's like a discman. It's got a bunch of wires hanging out of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so somehow in like the three minutes that Lex was inside or whatever, he managed to rewire Lex's stereo. Right. Or like, do you remember back in the day, like if you had a, a discman, and I mean, mm. it's a Porsche, so I would assume it would have its own CD player. But even if it didn't, then to the easiest way to get it done is it would have had that like cassette tape adapter weirdness. Right. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, like it's just a weird. I remember it being like a really weird, like it's just a discman with a bunch of wires taped to it. Like it's a very bad prop. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it's horrible. Well, I mean, it's a Discman. They were all yeah. pretty bad props. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, seeing the crowd assembled, the Lex just gets the fuck out of there. Like, he peels out. And, like, you you got to assume on, like, a small town Main Street, it's maybe 30K, 30 kilometers an hour in there, and he's burst out of there. You think small town Main Street, 30 yeah, uh, 30 or, well, I don't know, man. Driving through a lot of, like, Alberta small towns, that yeah, main that, street's right on the highway. Yeah, usually. And it's not, it's certainly not highway speed, but it's, you know, 60, 70 kilometers, or, well, 50, 60 kilometers, so say 
20 miles. I will say Sangudo's definitely got like a, I think it's like 40 kilometer an hour main street. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And, but that's because it's off the highway, right? Like if it was on the highway, it, you, there's no slowing down. <laughs> uh, but uh, where is, what's next? Uh, I think they're on the farm. Um, this is when, oh, Clark walks in on to Chloe questioning his parents. Right. And, uh, they're trying to get some, she's trying to get some specifics about Clark's adoption and the Kents are starting to clam up about it a little bit. Yeah. And lucky for them, like Chloe's tape runs out. Uh, she heads out to get another and while she's gone, we find out the Kents would rather not discuss it. Um, and Clark is left curious as to why but seemingly uh but chloe comes back before he can find out why they don't want to talk about it um clark says he's heading out to interview lana telling chloe he'll see her tomorrow and then there's a pretty funny line where chloe asks uh off the record if uh if clark has always been this strange which Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It would have been nice to see their answer, but it, we cut away before that. Like they're kind of, they kind of look at each other and then back at her and kind of shrug. Yeah. Which I, it's, it is. <clears throat> and it goes back to that whole thing where you knew it was going to be a bad idea for Chloe to investigate Clark. And like the Kents are. Yeah. Not they're not even amused by the fact that this high school reporter is questioning them. You can see that they're legitimately concerned. Like they know enough about Chloe too that they're like, this girl knows how to use the internet. Like she's gonna start digging. Right. Yeah. And and that's the thing, is like, yeah, as soon as there's no answer for something, Chloe has to know the answer. Yes. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. As soon as someone starts to stonewall her, she gets worse. Yeah. So, so we, we, we kind of, we cut away from there back to the Lana story. Uh, uh, Clark is outside, uh, the Talon, uh, and he kind of, cause he's doing his part of the interview. He's asking her what it's like to save the Talon from becoming a parking garage. And Lana says she feels like she's finally starting to shed that fairy princess costume. Um, but then Lex shows up and says he was supposed to meet the contractor for an estimate, which it's a weird time at like night to meet for an estimate. Right. But yeah, well, is it though? Cause wouldn't like most contractors would be like, hopefully yeah, working during the day. So an estimate in the evening would make the most sense, I guess. Well, I don't know, but you have your own crew. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they, the three of them enter and as Lana turns up the lights, they find the contractor sprawled out. Uh, they help him out. Um, they, they get him up on his feet, and they learn that he was attacked from behind but didn't see his attacker's face. But uh, Clark uh, spots a box with a bow on the counter nearby, and uh, Lana claims it wasn't there when she locked up, like only a few minutes before that, I, you assume. Um she goes to call the cops and Clark sees the card has Lex's name on it. And yeah, it's this sort is of a, a weird situation to me because everyone's like, this is weird and creepy and blah, blah, blah. And yet again, 
Clark refuses to use his X-ray vision. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, well, I mean, this time he would have found some grisly shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he doesn't use his X-ray vision, and it's like, what's in the box? What's in the box? Yeah, ex- and that's exactly it. Yeah. Brad Pitt meme. Exactly. Uh, but, uh, so Lex opens uh, the envelope, and we see the Club Zero slogan on the card. Zero consequences. Uh, and then, uh, like, Lex actually reads it aloud. Like, he says, zero consequences. And then takes the lid off. He and Clark make the gruesome discovery of the right hand of the bouncer sits inside. Uh, and, like, it's got his rings on it and everything, so that's how we know. Um, but uh, following that, like, Lex is giving a... Like, it pretty much cuts. I think it cuts to a commercial, maybe. But following that, like, Lex is giving a statement while Clark talks to Lana, who's understandably freaked out and, like, dismayed that, like, the Talon's going to be remembered for this. Um, but well, she's pissed. Uh, well, I mean, that's actually a good... A, <laughs> it's a decent concern. Yeah. I have the coffee shop that people ma- mail body parts to. Yeah. Do we... And I, because I literally can't recall now, because I, and it's uh, horrible of me as a human being, I guess, because it never crossed my mind. Do we ever find out what happened to the rest of the bouncer? Uh, I think later on, where Lex oh, do we? Okay. or Clark, where Clark, Clark is going when Clark shows up in Metropolis, and there's that that crime scene that he shows up to, and there's like a body oh, being. Oh yes. Okay, you're right. Yeah. I think that's there. But, uh, but yeah, no, she, um, she's pissed, of course. Um, but she, she's actually starting to wonder, like question aloud, how much they really know about Lex. Um, they don't get past that though, because Lex comes over to apologize, promising that it won't affect the grand opening, but Lana kind of walks away and convinced. And then, uh, while Clark and Lex talk, we learn that the, we learned the name of the guy. Uh, his name was his name was Max Kasich, and uh, when Clark asks if Jude could be responsible, Lex informs him that he's been dead for three years. So this is where we learn that uh, that Jude th- should be dead. Um, and uh, I think we're back at school after that. But yeah, like uh, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is um. Chloe doing a little more digging. Right. She's talking to Pete and then about his uh, Clark's apparent aversion to peas. Cause I guess gr- anything green he avoids. Oh, uh, you know, he's got no green in his wardrobe either. As we know, it's true. <laughs> Except for that fucking, that watering can in that one episode. Oh, that green, still a missed opportunity. <laughs> And Pete wonders why Chloe isn't interested in the hand instead. Uh, we get a very small breadcrumb of story about Pete's family and the Luthers, though, before kind of how the Luthers fucked him over. Um, but uh, before he kind of regales her with the story of how Clark put a fourth grader through a wall when they yeah. were in first grade. Yeah. Which you'd think Pete would tell that story all the time because it sounds yeah. You would think like the fact that Chloe had never heard it before, right? And uh, and it's weird because it's um, 
I don't even remember how Clark plays it off, but Clark plays it off even worse than he usually does. Yeah. You know, where he's usually like, oh, adrenaline or something, or blah, 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 but... I don't even just, remember what he says. Like, he gives no excuse to this, for this one. He was like, we were kids. It was it was first grade. It's exa- It's been exaggerated. I think he says it's been blown out of proportion over the years. Yeah, but he like pushed him, he pushed a kid through a door. Like, through a door. Through a door. And uh, so we learn, though, that uh, Chloe has dug deep into the details of Clark's adoption, which comes as like kind of a painful shock to Clark. And he's pissed. Like he's like, yeah. he's not some mystery for her to solve and walks away before she can say anything else. I like it. Because she's really, yeah, yeah. And when Clark gets upset about something, like actually indignant, you can actually see that in how Superman reacts at times. Yeah. Uh, and it, 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 it's and he's got a legitimate point here. Like it's a simple class project, and you're digging into my fucking adoption. Yeah. Like, did it ever occur to you? I don't want to know who my birth parents are. I don't want to know why they gave up on me, or you know, like he's got a legitimate argument. Beef. Yeah. Yeah. No. No kidding. And it's one of those things where, where like Chloe goes full bloodhound, and she kind of loses perspective a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, like after Clark storms out of there, we cut to Lex and he's, I, I don't know where this location is. Like, I don't know if it's just somewhere randomly in Smallville, but he's at like some like decrepit gym uh, punching a, a heavy bag. Yes. And like his head of security, this guy we've seen before a couple times, uh, comes over and he, you know, he tells, he like Lex is briefing the guy on this, uh, wanting to make sure Amanda is warned about the potential danger. Uh, and then we cut again back to the past. And this is like, uh, we see Amanda crouched over Jude, um, uh, when somebody working for him, uh, oh yeah. Like there's like, there's like, I don't know if it's a paramedic or who, what's going on, but like somebody's working on Jude trying to like maybe resuscitate him or whatever. Um, and, but the way she's looking at Lex is like very accusatory. Like you, you did this, like, this yeah. is your fault that this happened. Uh, and then enter Sam Phelan from, uh, Rogue. Oh yes, yeah. yes, yes. That's right. Yeah. So now Lex is calling in another favor. Right. Well, this is, this is kind of the, the, uh, this is, I mean, he's been on Lex's or the Luther payroll before this, but this is the thing that. Phelan came to him in Rogue about like was like look you don't want Club Zero to come out do you yeah 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 it was what he was trying to blackmail him with yeah right um but he flashes his badge at Max and then goes and finds out what happened from Lex Lex's version of events now show him getting stabbed but then grabbing Max's gun from the shoulder holster and in the struggle for the gun shooting Jude uh which is kind of the same thing but uh phelan tells lex he's going to make this disappear no police report lex was never even there uh lex asks about what about amanda uh and we learn lex is to never see or contact her again and is given the number for the same guy remember the guy who stitched up kyle tippett yeah oh is that is that the yeah he's given the number for that guy Okay, cool. Oh, that's actually very cool. So there's a lot of like reoccurring things All that backs. have happened already in Lex's story that are kind of 
grounding themselves in this origin. See, this is, I think this is one of the things that they do better with Lex's story than they do with other characters' stories is the callbacks. They know, they know you're going to get them because they've been fleshing him out so well. And there's a lot of, there's a lot to flesh out and there's, it's, it's payoff. This episode is a lot of payoff for that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I like, I mean, in future seasons, we're going to delve into parts of Lex's past, which are and... um, questionable <laughs> to say the least. Um, but yeah, this is, that's actually really cool. I didn't catch that at all. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like I, yeah, that was w- w- something I noted specifically just to bring up, but, um, but Lex takes kind of a last look at Amanda before walking away and we see Phelan talking to Max about coming into some serious money. Uh, I assume that's so that, you know, Max is going to tell that official version of the story. Which yeah, is, so he's either talking a, a, like a payoff to cover it up or blackmail or e- either way. He's just right. like, here's the deal. You're, or it's it's hush money. He's what he's talking about. Exactly. Yeah. And then so we cut back to the present and Lex is finishing up punching the bag. He punches it one last time. And then there's a pistol right into the back of his skull. And he slowly turns to see a grinning Jude who asks like nothing to say. And Jude presses Lex on what happened that night, points out that he finds Lex's involvement in Phelan's death very interesting. Um, This is weird because, again, Clark is arriving somewhere. And I initially didn't even put it together that he was going to be walking into Lex's area because where the fuck are they? Like... The, like I don't Lex's... know. I don't think this. I, I. I mean, I could be wrong, but I. This location definitely has not been used yet, and no. I don't think it ever gets used again. So why just out of the blue they're like, oh, you know what? Lex should be boxing, yeah. which, I mean, like Lex doesn't have a gym in the castle that he lives in. Right. So as you see, the Kent's. Uh, it's the red truck, and Clark is getting out, and he's walking toward the door because presumably he's going into this gym. Which we've yeah. never we've never seen anybody go into. Maybe this is at the school, but why the fuck would Lex be at the school? Like, it doesn't make any sense. But anyway, luckily Clark shows up when he does because uh, Clark bursts in there, um, and he like right before that, like Lex or Clark thinks he hears Jude's voice, and then the cocking of the gun, and he bursts in, and Lex looks around, and like Jude is gone. And so this is, again, one of those times where Clark could have just used his x-ray vision and seen a dude running away. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> we just, it's what, it, like, we're just going to have to assume that sometimes Clark is dumb. He's so, dumb. Like, yeah. He forgets that he has these powers. Or just run around everywhere. Like, anyway, well, but, That's the whole thing, is, like, you came in one entrance, Clark. You have to assume there's, what, maybe one more? With your super speed... You could lap the entire building in like three seconds. You'll catch whoever it was, but he doesn't use right. either of his abilities. But uh, Lex actually goes so far as to hide the fact that Jude was even there. Uh, Clark brings up Max and the details of Club Zero, and Lex just asks him to drop it for the sake of their friendship. Like Lex is pretty forceful, but he's like, "Look, just leave this, leave this alone." Um. 
Yes, which is, I yeah. actually liked it a lot. Although, I mean, it's, as far as story continuity, it doesn't do much, and it's not as big a payoff as it could have been, but it's a nice shout back to Clark looking at Chloe and going, look, mind your own business, my past is my past, and right. now Lex is saying the exact same thing to Clark, like, stop, stop looking into my past, it's none of your business. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so at home again, uh, Clark, Clark and Jonathan are, go from talking to Lana and the Talon and, uh, and, and then Lex to kind of discussing Chloe's revelation about Metropolis United Charities Mm -hmm. and like Clark wants to get some information on that. And Jonathan kind of puts it kind of simply, he's like, Something to the effect of it's a long road between Clark's birth certificate and what's hidden in the storm cellar. It's, um, it's, this is uh, number one. The lighting in this scene is incredible. Uh, you, you often hear directors talk about the magic hour and it's, it's, it's the time where the sun is either coming up or going down where it's just like the perfect amount of light cameras can really play around with it. This, when they were shooting this scene, they got it. It's amazing. And I can't even like, it must've been done in so few takes because the lighting is absolutely perfect. Like it's, you'd uh, think, I just, you'd think they either, they either really trusted that everyone was going to hit their marks the first time and got it right at that first time, or they actually shot, t- took the, took this once a little before this to kind of run through it. And then, yeah, well, like, well, okay, I, we I don't even know if it was necessarily planned that they were yeah. like, Look, we're going to do this at sundown and we're going right. to catch like the sunset and whatever. It doesn't matter. Cause they, they like it perfectly nailed it. And, and like you said, you kind of have to assume it was done in one take when it's like, okay, the light's good. Let's do it. But um, yeah, they nailed it. It's also just a really good, scene in the fact that it's the kind of the first time and it's the first time I ever remember it being asked in Superman lore like how did they convince people that they adopted Clark like nobody asked any questions and this is maybe the first time I've ever heard Jonathan say something around the line like we did have to cheat you know like yeah we can't just show up with a kid and go yeah he's ours someone's gonna ask a question here or there and this is the right. first time Jonathan or the Kents ever allude to like how they had to get away with that. Yeah. It's, and it, it's still a, a while yet before we'll find out who had a hand in helping them yes. get this charity set up. But, um, but yeah, so, but I, yeah, again, like it's just like that, that the outdoor scene, like being shot perfectly at that time of day, like it's, they do this a lot. They they don't do it a ton in the series, but they do get a lot of these shots on the farm during the magic hour. Yeah, they really use the external um, external shots of the Kent farm. They really maximize the uh, the potential there. Um, and I think it's maybe why it's such an iconic vision in my brain, at least. Like when I envision the Kent farm now. There's two yeah. versions in my head. One is the 1978 Christopher Reeves movie. Um, right. And it's only because I can remember that Jonathan Kent having a heart attack in the driveway. 
right. that just stuck with me throughout my lifetime. Um, but this one, it is that yellow house. It is that barn. It is even though like the fences around the fields, um, right. the sign, the Kent farm sign, the Kent, uh, like, um, mailbox, how, like all of yeah. that stuff is just, how great was it to see that show up in the Elseworlds? Oh my God. Yeah. My jaw right? dropped. My jaw dropped when it was like, cause they did almost the burn through that they do in the credits where it's just yeah. like, it, it, it's like a transition. And then the, the camera is moving down onto the farm and then the song fires up. Right. My jaw hit the ground. I was like, I had heard <laughs> that there was a cameo, but I didn't realize that they were full on riffing on the Smallville opening. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so, is, is, does Smallville take place on Earth 38? Who knows? It can't be because it's the wrong Clark, but you it's know. It's the wrong Clark. Yeah. Right. I'm very interested to find out where this Clark, what Earth he's from. You know what? They, they, I think they've said that Smallville is like coherent to Earth 1. Like it's Arrowverse Earth 1. Oh, really? So, but why, why is, the, why does like, uh, but then why the don't they have a Superman? Then, yeah. Why don't they have a Superman? Right. Like it, it's weird. Maybe huh. we'll find out. Maybe we'll find out soon. Maybe he retired. Yeah. We don't know. Cause I, I don't, and I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm not up to date on any of it. I wish I was, but, uh, cause I don't know what earth, um, Brandon Ralph's kingdom come Superman is from. Right. Um, yeah, I really should try to catch up. Anyway, we're getting really yeah. sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we do. Uh, but yeah, well so, but yeah, so they're but while they're talking, like they're walking around, and like all of a sudden, Jonathan stops in the driveway, and he's like, "There's something wrong." Like he, he's like, "Do you hear that?" And Clark's like, "No, no, what, what?" And he's like, "We should be hearing something." Yeah, there's and about so three hundred cows over that rise. Yeah, they crest the hill. And I can't hear a damn thing. We crest the hill and like dead cows as far as the eye can see. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And that's a, that's a, like a great little like just farmer moment. Like I as a city boy never would have thought like, oh, yeah, I mean, I guess the sound of cows would be just an ever encompassing sound except in the middle of the night. And you so would really is, notice it. It you is really a thing that, like, a farmer would know, like, why can't I hear my cows? That's a problem. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so we uh, we get, like, a close-up of, like, drums of bubbling waste with Luther Corp logos on them just laying in the same field and a hazmat-suited team dealing with the situation. And Jonathan, it, it, Jonathan and Martha are kind of standing up against this fence. And, like, Jonathan looks, like, so angry he has tears in his eyes. Yeah, he like looks destroyed, fucking... which, I mean, like, if you know, even even if you can estimate the price of it, your average cow or what beef is, and then you extrapolate that onto how many estimated cows Jonathan, he just lost a fortune. Yeah, uh, and they're in, already insured or not, loans. he just lost a fortune. So Yeah, and they already owe the bank how much fucking money. Yeah, exactly. Like, and and of course, he's insulted even more because the first thing Lex does when he shows up is, oh, I'll be, I'm going to pay for it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Chloe's taking some pictures, questioning why Luther Corp would dump anything there. And yeah, Lex arrives and he goes straight to them. 
Um, and it looks like Martha is literally holding Jonathan back. Like she has like a grip on his arm. Um, and Jonathan just sourly points out, like you said, like he's like that Lex is just trying to throw more money at a problem as usual. Um, and like, yes, Lex had to do that, but there's no, like, what's the move here that doesn't have Jonathan taking his head off? Like there isn't one, right? No, because at this point it looks like, and I mean, it's set up to look that way, obviously. Right. Number one, I want to know how dude did it. You know what I mean? Like if, if you haven't caught on while you're watching this, this isn't a Lex Cork thing. Lex is being like, um, uh, blackmailed. Uh, he's being set up, uh, framed is the word I'm looking for. Um, and I just want to know like how this guy found the resources and how he somehow magically poisoned 300 cattle. Um, but all that aside, Jonathan already hates Lex. Yeah. Also, how did this guy know to fuck with the Kents? To, yeah, it's to, to, again, to frame Jonathan like that. That's just now getting to me. I don't understand. Plot holes. It's unless, just, unless like, he's been watching he... Lex and he's like, Hey man, Lex has a best friend. I'm going to fuck that up too. Right. Right. Um, but like, there's no, and and you're right. What, what does Lex do? Offering to pay. And yes, Lex only throws money at problems to save them, but it is an honorable thing to do at this point. Like, I don't know what yeah. happened. I swear to you, this shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. And Lex is right. At this point, Lex is innocent in everything that's gone on. So he's like, I like no stone unturned. I'm going to get this shit figured out. I will solve this. I will solve this in every way. I will reimburse for, reimburse you for your cows. I'll buy you new stock. I'll I'll make sure you have the cleanest land to live on. Like he's right. literally falling on his sword and doing his very best. But Jonathan already late. hates him. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an uphill battle forever. Yeah. Uh, it's a losing battle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Clark... Also, the and I just because. It just for a second, uh, like the sheriff shows up. Right. And I'm like, oh, I remember this sheriff. So he's like a recurring character for a while until we yeah. get a sheriff that I do not like. And I just oh, remember, yeah. I, I immediately remember like, <laughs> oh, I like this guy. And he's immediately followed by someone I detest. <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing is Sheriff Ethan, like mustache uh, sheriff. This he's guy. a good he's a good guy for a while, but he goes bad. Oh, does he go bad? I don't remember that at all. I just remember his replacement, and I do not like her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's she's special. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. But, uh, like, Clark, uh, you know, kind of sure, like, like he he walks away after Jonathan tore his head off. Uh, Lex tries to assure Clark of the same stuff, and Clark only really asks if this has something to do with Club Zero, and Lex admits that he thinks it does. Um, and that, you know, this is no longer just about him, Clark points out. Um, and yeah, Sheriff Ethan tells Lex the CEP guy wants a word with him. And Lex walks over. And like, you think like the scene he just left is still there. But he walks over and it turns out to be Jude. And then when Lex tries to get past him, he gets fucking tased and thrown in the van. Presumably <laughs> in full, presumably in full view of everyone there. Of everybody. <laughs> Like, he doesn't, and the, the thing is, it doesn't even, like, occur to him that, like, there are cops there. Just go, um, officer, this guy right here? Yeah. yeah. Trying to Say blackmail help. me, should be dead. <laughs> like, right, right, exactly. 
Oh, man, like, that's the thing is the thing with when they do explain Jude, it's so unsatisfying, but we'll get there. Um, yes. Yeah. God, it's the worst. Uh, but at the Kents, Clark is concerned about not being able to reach Lex. Like, I think I maybe it's the next day or later on. Um, but he brings up his suspicions about what might be going on, kind of shows Martha the Club Zero article, and she warns him to be careful. But growing up in Metropolis... Uh, she knows all about that Luther world because she obviously doesn't really touch, trust Lex either. And the day's events haven't really helped her opinion of him either. Um, and then in the barn, uh, Chloe kind of does her best to show Clark that she maybe went too far and will drop the whole thing. Um, but uh, she kind of does still ask him if he ever thinks about his biological parents and he responds that he thinks about them every day, single day of his life. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's, it's one of those things where like Chloe is, she makes a promise to Clark, like, look, Clark, I, I, I'm sorry. I did go too far. I'll stop. It's just a project to make it simple and easy, but don't you wonder blah, blah. And Clark gives her just enough ammo that in the back of her head, she's like, that's permission. I can keep digging. Yeah. Yeah. Because you see it on her face. You see right. it on her face at the end of the scene, just the way she's looking at Clark, like, oh, I'm not stopping. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is Clark tries to give her something else to chew on. Like, he catches her up on the Club Zero stuff. And she's like, oh, fuck, fuck yeah. And, like, she, um, I think she leaves. Leaves a photo for the Kents. Oh, yeah, she leaves a photo because they, they, they then discover that they're looking at pictures of the same guy. Like she has the picture of Jude from the field. Oh yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and, and then from the article and they realize they're looking at the same face. Uh, and now we're back again uh, where we started the app. Uh, we see Lex hanging upside down, kind of yelling for help. Um, just like, it's just a really quick scene of Lex hanging there. Um, so we now can establish he's there for a while. Um, but I guess at the torch, Chloe has now hacked into the DMV database, uh, establishing her once again as like lead hacksaw. Oh yeah. <laughs> like she's zero cool. There's another <laughs> reference for you. Shout out. Give us, give us an email. Give super, us a text. Yeah. Super ha old. hacker name. Zero cool. Where's it from? <laughs> oh God. Well, that's your that's your homework, friends. Uh, I love it so much. One of the best soundtracks ever. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Clark uh, tells her to get uh, Metropolis PD to the address that she found uh, before leaving, saying that he thinks Lex is in danger. But this is so weird because Clark does this all the time and nobody ever thinks it's strange that like Clark's like, I, I gotta I gotta go. Like what you're going to like. Where are you going exactly? Like as soon as he gets I, some like like really like meaty like we've cracked the case kind of information, he disappears and no yeah no one ever questions it. Like where are you going? He yeah. should have just like ah uh, irritable bowel syndrome, and then no one would ever ask again. Yeah, and so we're back again in the room where uh, that Royce has uh, Lexin. He's kind of gloating. Uh, that Lex is finally exposed and in the spotlight, like literally, like he's got like a bright light shining on him, on his yeah. face. Uh, this is where 
uh, Clark speeds to uh, Metropolis and arrives at the address, which is, uh, I, I believe it's Lex's uh, safe house. Uh, and Clark x-rays the body on the stretcher and discovers it's uh, missing a hand. Oh, yes. Okay, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, I oh, totally man. forgot that. Okay, yes. Because it's it's either him or Liquid Snake. It could only really be one or the other. Oh, maybe it's Liquid Oh, my God. We're going to mesh two universes here. It's going to get weird. It also could be Ocelot, but, you know, we know, we know he's up and walking around. Uh, and I don't know why I did that. Asking, uh, asking one of the officers in the scene about Club Zero, uh, we learn that it's been closed for six months. So I guess it is really up to us to reopen Club Zero. I'll do it. I'll do it in a second. <laughs> Clubs just don't do well here. <laughs> well, it'd be, it won't be the same kind of club. No. But no I'll, just, I'll just use the name. Right. Zero consequences. Uh, there would be consequences, of course. Uh, of course. Yeah. Endless, endless consequences. But uh, Clark gets the directions and uh and we get the uh, once more we get that club zero three years ago scene one more time but we see that when the gun goes off uh oh no it's the opening scene we get um lex has like somebody has shot uh shot royce and he's dead um, and then the contractor from the Talon steps out of the shadows. And I was just like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, it gets really weird. Yeah, they ran out of, like, the, the, I think they were doing the episode, and then were like, okay, how do we wrap this up? Like, was there another guy? Like, it almost turns into a Scooby-Doo thing. Yeah, it's, it, was like, it, it who's is the so first weird that they, that they, ought, they somehow had to bring in like a, a, a second villain into the story. Oh yeah. It's so weird. It's sloppy to be completely yeah, honest. Really sloppy. Uh, but yeah, so we see the opening scene. Yeah. That, that opening scene. Uh, and then uh, like the contractor from the talent steps out and he turns on the music and lights in the club, which would not be there. Like this place has been closed six months. Like there is no, none of that shit would be there. Like, no, it would, man, because it has gutted. value. They would have taken it and sold it or given it to another right. club. But then the dude shoots the chains that are holding Lex in the air, uh, and he crumples to the ground. Uh, we learn that this dude is Amanda's brother from Central City, um, and that he is here for vengeance because Amanda committed suicide a year ago. Which I guess Lex probably was really close to finding out because if his security was put on detail to go find out what happened to her, Lex was probably about to find that out anyway. Uh, and then it turns out that the Jude Royce over on the floor was just some dude from Bloodhaven who just happened to look like Jude Royce. Yeah, that's who, again lazy right. and who went along with this for i guess just money 
Like yeah, it's mark? so weird. Like, so the explanation is, so the contractor is Amanda's brother. He's out for revenge because Amanda killed herself. And he's like distraught and he wants revenge. And he's just like walking down the street in Bloodhaven. And he comes across some homeless down on his luck guy who just happens to look exactly like his ex. Yeah, it was a dude. It was like a bar. It was like some dude who was like a bar back at like some some dive bar. Oh yeah, well, yeah. It's it's bad. It's just right. it's. I mean, you would have been better off. It like, oh, you didn't know what's his name had a twin brother, and now my sister killed herself. So now both of us as jaded hurt siblings are after your ass. But no, I found a lookalike. Yeah. Like that. And so, yeah, no, it's, it's, it sucks. <laughs> like it, it takes a, like a pretty much a very good episode and like drops it like a full, at least one point. Oh yeah. Easily easy. Cause it's, it's eye rollingly bad. Yeah. But Lex, uh, Lex kind of feeling the pressure, uh, kind of offers the truth at last. And we see the club zero scene, uh, one more time, but, in the struggle, the gun ended up uh, getting knocked to the floor and then in Amanda's hand, and she shot Jude. Yes, uh, out of a jealous rage, which which then explains why she would have killed herself. I mean, not, not I mean, she, she, I, she finds out her fiancé is cheating on her. So, right. I mean, yeah, okay, that could drive you into depression. You would hurt yourself over that. It makes a lot more sense that somebody has PTSD from murdering somebody that they once loved who cheated on them, that would drive you suicide. Yeah, it would, it would definitely have a bad effect. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't want to accept that. And like Lex is basically saying, look, like I did everything I did covering up club zero to protect her from going to jail. Like, he basically did it pretty much all for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but this dude doesn't want to hear it. Uh, he's telling Lex that he can't escape his past. Uh, but Lex kind of... So as this dude shoots, goes to shoot shoot Lex, uh, Lex slightly twists out of the way, and either Lex is missed. I think he misses Lex, or he hits him in the shoulder. But Lex goes through like a fish tank, which has fish in it. Oh, did it like really have fish in it? I, I think it had <laughs> I fish didn't in even it. notice. I think it had fish in it. Like that. The, but anyway, like he goes over and this is pretty kind of a cool set piece because like Lex is going over and there's like the water and the and the, the glass falling slowly. And just as like as Clark bursts in like and on his way up, Clark kicks a sofa under where Lex is going to land and then speeds up the stairs and incapacitating the gunman before returning to the door so that he can appear to be arriving just at this moment. Yes. Yeah. It is a cool little secret. I, I think the, the kicking the couch into the exact precise location where it's going to safely catch Lex is a little over the top. Yeah. Uh, and the effects are a little dated because they're going to be, it was 20 years ago, but it, I mean, it's cool. It's a cool little, like, five-second scene. I enjoyed it. Yeah. The, the other thing, too, is, like, Lex would... 
like he would be so cut up regardless yeah oh totally he, we, he would also be so out of it that it wouldn't necessarily matter where in that room clark was right you know what i mean when he finally like looks up and goes what the fuck's going on but i i do like i do like that clark had the smarts and the wherewithal to like save lex get the bad guy and then run back outside and make it look like i'm just getting here so i can throw them off the scent a little bit yeah because like clark arrives and lex is is has the presence of mind to be like oh there's somebody with a gun um but like then uh like lex looks up on the balcony and sees him out cold um and then lex again like pretty smartly is just like okay well how do you how did you even find me like again he's in metropolis all of a sudden like clark found him in metropolis how um and clark just says with a little help from my friends yeah which yeah okay yeah bye bye so, good good beatles song yeah you know uh john cocker did it better but whatever yeah good yeah yeah, Joe Cocker, I agree. John Cocker, Joe, Joe Cocker. Joe Cocker. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what is the other thing? Uh, the very next thing is opening Talon? night. Yeah. Yeah, opening night at the Talon. That's right. Um, Clark uh, gifts Lana with a photo of the Talon from right after it opened. Um, it was in the attic along with his some of Hiram's things. Uh, she thanks him before kind of moving off to get back to work. Cause I assume she's just like kind of, she's there working in like an official capacity at this point on opening night. You would hope so. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, Lex appears and, uh, kind of thinks Clark is trying to avoid him to which Clark responds that there is a lot. He doesn't know about Lex and, uh, Lex tells Clark he knew, uh, Lionel wouldn't lift a finger to help Amanda, and so that's why he took the fall. That he'd do anything to protect his friends, and he's very he's very pointed about that. Although he did abandon Amanda enough to not know that she had killed herself weeks before. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah. Well, no, she'd killed herself a year ago. So two oh, years well, after two, so... two years after the incident. Yeah. But again, now, was, did, this... did he know that though? He I didn't. don't think he did. Yeah. No, so did. again, there you go. Also, yeah. they get to um, cracking jokes about body parts in boxes, like a right. mere couple days after they had found a severed hand in a box, which is dark and not funny, and <laughs> not cool. And was one of Lex's friends. Like, Yeah. Yeah. A little insensitive guys, but okay. You know, it's never too far for a bit. I guess. I guess. <laughs> Don't mail me any body parts, please. <laughs> yeah, no. Not not especially not ones of people you know. Like yeah. identifiable. Oh fuck, I know that hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shit. Yeah. Uh we actually then we cut to Chloe's doing some late night work at the uh at the torch. And she's got the adoption file she found on Clark. And she's kind of moving the cursor kind of between delete and save. Yeah. And then at the very last second, she moves it back over to save and clicks. Credits. She ain't giving up. Chloe nope. doesn't give up. Nope. She's going to keep looking. 
But yeah, that's and that's the episode. It's a good episode. I enjoy it. I enjoy I, well I, I, again. Enjoyed it up until the whole. I found a guy who looks exactly like him. Yeah, it's such an unsatisfying way to, like, I don't know how how else they could have done it. They kind of wrote themselves into a corner by killing him at the beginning. Yeah, episode, yeah, right. But I mean, it takes an otherwise decent episode and turns it into a, a like a, a Looney Tunes episode. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. But anyway, I mean, it was a good episode. As far as it goes, uh, as far as all the episodes we've watched so far, I'd say it puts, this one kind of sits in the upper echelon, not like top percentile, but, you know, just under that, maybe a B grade. Yeah. Anyway, what happens on the next episode of Smallville? Oh, that next one. Uh, I actually don't know. <laughs> well, I, I do know, but I want to get the the official the official word on that. Just give me one it's second. It's a mystery. Um, so one thing we did say, uh, uh, um, uh, Paul did say that the the killer brought up finding the double in Bloodhaven, which if you're a DC fan, you know Bloodhaven is the area. I don't know if it's a city. I thought it was more of a uh, just a neighborhood um, or something. something. But it's a uh, it's I know it best as when Dick Grayson leaves Batman mm-hmm. to become Nightwing. Bloodhaven is where he goes. So he yeah. becomes essentially like the Batman of Bloodhaven. There's also a Central City shout out, which if you are yeah. a Flash fan, you will know is home of the fastest man alive. Yeah. The Flash. Uh, but yeah, uh, so our next episode, Nicodemus. Jonathan turns against his son. Lana becomes a sexy flirt. And Pete sets out to settle a score with Lex. They all exhibit unusual behavior after coming into contact with a strange, toxic flower. And there appears to be no antidote to the flower's poison. Huh. That yeah. doesn't sound familiar to me at all. That sounds like a Star Trek episode. Yeah, you'd think, right? Huh. Uh, to give you a little bit of context for it, it's the one with super sexy Lana, where like she jumps into the pool, like she strips down and jumps into the pool, and like Clark is like a bubba. Um, Clark might not be alone on that one. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think he would. Although I. I was like, man, like, I really hope Kristen Crook was 18 by the time this scene happened. Because... I'm, I'm, I'm sure, like, I, I think I looked it up when I was, <laughs> we did, like, the first episode. I think she was 18 as they started filming. Right. Yeah. Um, because. Don't quote yeah. me on it. I Oof. hope so. Otherwise, like, I'm just being, and here, like, number one, now I'm a dirty old man. But at the time, I was, like, right. you know, only a couple years older than her, if that. Right. So I'm looking right. at her with nostalgia-tinned glasses. She is a crush yeah. from the past that I haven't given up on. Yeah, no, no. I And you'll see, you'll you'll double down on that, I think. Don't judge me <laughs> and don't call the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's We're digging on. ourselves a hole. A little get, far. A little yeah. far. I think we need uh, we need to we need to get the hell out of here before this. Yeah. Gets so until next time, ladies and gentlemen.
Somebody save me. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. It's us. Oh, save us.